0: Uh, Before I begin, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the privilege of gathering here this morning in Your name. We thank You for the privilege of recognizing the resurrection of Your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord. And we thank You for Your presence here. And we trust, Lord, that we will not leave here this morning unchanged by Your Word, by Your truth, by your Holy Spirit, and we thank you, and we pray in Jesus' name, Amen. So this morning I'd like to pick up, pick up uh, off where we left off Friday evening at the cross in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, if you recall, if you weren't here, we went through the uh, the resurrection account. I mean the uh, the uh, the Holy Week account in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapters uh, 26 through 27. So today we'll be touching on uh, chapter 28. 1 through 10. Now we read the passage uh, at the, the death of Jesus where the centurion, witnessing all that had taken place, you know, the darkness, the earth quaking, the love shown by Jesus, uh, even while he was on the cross, and the centurion declares, truly, this was the Son of God. And we have to realize what a Roman centurion was. A uh, Roman story, centurion was sworn to allegiance to his own gods. Uh, he was a master executioner. Uh, he, be, he became a centurion by years of, of dedicated service uh, to, the, uh, to the empire. Experience in battle. You know, well respected by his superiors. The men under him had to obey him instantly. And he would sacrifice his life for his emperor. And he declares faith in Jesus Christ after all that he had seen. And then we talked about Joseph Joseph of Arimathea, a member of the Sanhedrin. But he was a secret disciple of Jesus Christ. He bravely goes to Pilate, the governor, and asks for Jesus' body so that he could uh, place the body in his own personal tomb. Probably at uh, a great risk to himself. Now all this happens Friday evening which we call the first day, where Joseph had to hurry so that he could get Jesus into the tomb before the Sabbath, which was Saturday, the second day. And on Sunday, the women show up, you know, the day of the resurrection. And I point, out, point this out because um, Jesus said he would rise again on the third day. So the first day was Friday, the second day was Saturday, the third day was Sunday. So let's pick up in uh, Matthew 28, verses 1-10. through Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for He has risen as He said. Come, see the place where He lay. Then go quickly and tell His disciples that He has risen from the dead, and behold, He is going before you to Galilee. There you will see Him. See? Now I want to point out that Matthew records the fact that two women came that morning. The other Gospel writers reveal that others came, off, came also. there's no contradiction here. They probably arrived at, at different points in the morning. And however they came, they were sad, they were disheartened, and they were, dis, dis, they were defeated and discouraged. Now some of the women had witnessed and others had heard of the death of Jesus on the cross, and they were coming to pay their last respects to the body of their Lord. And when we take a, a look at the different Gospels, we can see what they were doing uh, that, early that Sunday morning. Verse 1 tells us that some of the women came to see the tomb. Now maybe they were coming to pray or, or meditate near the place where his, his body had been buried. Maybe they were coming to make sure that everything was in place at the tomb. Now anyone who's ever visited a graveside can uh, probably identify with what they were doing there. I know I can. And Mark and Luke teach that some of the women came to perform one last labor of love for their Lord Jesus. They came to finish anointing His body for burial. They wanted to serve Him one last time. And then in John chapter 20, those verses tell us that Mary Magdalene lingered at the tomb after the others had already left. Now here was a woman who owed a lot to Jesus. There, there had been a time in her life where she had been possessed by seven demons. And Jesus cast those demons out. Her life had been radically changed by Jesus and he, she loved Him more than anything. If you remember, she was one of the last ones at the cross and she was the first to see Him after he had risen from the dead. And she loved him as her Lord for what he had done for her. And, and you can just sense in reading the account that her heart was broken that morning, but she still came to love him and worship him. Now, the question we might ask of ourselves is can we identify with these women? Despite the circumstances, despite what they had seen, despite what they're seeing now, they just want to love Jesus and worship Him and serve Him. They think Jesus is dead, yet they still think He is their Lord. And it's to those women that Jesus first reveals Himself. Another thing to notice is that it was just the women that came to the tomb that morning. Where were the men? Where were the disciples? I mean, I'd have to say that these women were pretty brave to do what they did. The disciples were still in hiding, waiting for things to calm down, presumably. After all, their leader had been executed, and they would be identified as one of their followers. So what might happen to them? But it's the women who take the lead here. And I'm reminded of how many churches have been able to survive due to the prayerful, dedicated, and faithful women in those churches. And I understand that's part of the history of this church. Able to survive decades ago because of a few godly and faithful women hanging on, clinging to Jesus, and trusting Him. And here we are now. In verses 2 through 7, Matthew tells us of the encounter with the angel. Now, despite the women showing up at the tomb, and grieving for Jesus and wishing to still serve Him in some way, you can still imagine that their faith must have been rattled to, the, to their very core. But we'll see that the angel helped to remove some of the obstacles to their faith. The first obstacle to their faith was obviously the stone. Verse 2 tells us that the angel rolled back the stone. If we look at Mark's account, in uh, chapter 16:1 he tells us that while the women made their way to the tomb to finish preparing the body for burial one of their concerns was well how are we going to remove the tomb i mean remove the stone from the tomb and some of the women were there when joseph placed the body in the tomb so for them that was it jesus was dead he was really dead so they were going to get some help to roll the stone away prepare the body Have the stone rolled back and then say a final goodbye. But they show up and the stone was rolled back. Now keep in mind that Jesus didn't need the stone rolled back so he could get out, right? He's, He's God. He didn't need for anyone to roll the stone back. The stone was rolled away so that the men and women could look into the tomb and see that it was empty, forever empty, the, the angel wanted to reveal the empty tomb to the witnesses. So, one of the obstacles to faith, the stone was rolled away by the angel. The second obstacle to faith from verses 3 to 4 is that the angel removed the guards. We kind of forget about the guards. If you go back to Matthew 27, uh, verses 62 through 67, it tells us that the chief priests and the Pharisees were troubled by Jesus' predictions. They heard what Jesus had said. I mean, they literally heard what He had said about rising again on the third day. And they wanted a guard to be posted at the tomb. They even went to Pilate, Pontius Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said while he was still alive, after three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest the disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead. And the last fraud will be worse than the first. And Pilate said to them, You have a guard of soldiers. Go, make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Now I find it interesting that the Pharisees had understood what Jesus had said, and they were taking every precaution to make sure that the disciples you know, weren't up to any uh, monkey business there. So they sealed it with Pilate's own seal and they posted a company of guards at the door and, and that detachment of soldiers also stood as an obstacle to, uh, between the women and their entrance into the tomb of Jesus. But as we read, the angel took care of that. Now again, these were battle-tested Roman soldiers who would have been punished by death for not doing their duty. Later these, these same soldiers were bribed by the Pharisees to tell the people that the body was stolen uh, while the guards were asleep. Uh, so the Pharisees would lie to Pilate to cover up for the soldiers who, who received money in, in, in return. So I, I find it pretty amazing that even the soldiers Even the Pharisees knew something amazing, something supernatural had occurred. But they tried to cover it up. They tried to deny it. And I also find it pretty amazing that that still happens today. Jesus' resurrection is still denied. And finally, the last obstacle that was removed in our passage was, was their own unbelief. Uh, Let me read again what the angel said. He said, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for He has risen, as He said. Come, see the place where He lay. Then go quickly and tell His disciples that He has risen from the dead, and behold, He is going before you to Galilee. There you will see Him. See, I have told you. So if you'll notice in these verses, the angel reminded the women of a few things. First, in verse 5, the angel reminded them of the crucifixion. That Jesus was, in fact, killed. This is important. I mean, of course, the women didn't need to remember they were there, as John points out in John 19.25. Still, the fact of His death is emphasized. And this reminds us of the importance of the death of Jesus on the cross. Jesus needed to actually die. His death provided the sacrifice that was needed to cleanse sinners from their sins and to make them right with God. I mean, the familiar verses from Isaiah 53 but he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. With his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned, every one, to his own way. And the Lord was laid on him the iniquity of us all. And Hebrews 22 says, Without the shedding of blood, which is a, a euphemism for death, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Uh, Secondly, the angel reminds them that Jesus has risen. He is not here, for He has risen. Talk about an understatement, because from a historical perspective, uh, this was probably the greatest pronouncement ever announced. And you might ask, well, what about the the announcement of Jesus' birth? You know, that was a big deal. Well, Jesus was born so that He could die on the cross. And the, resurrections valid, the resurrection validates everything that He said and did. I mean, think about it. A dead Savior can't save anybody. But a living Savior, a living Savior is able to offer salvation to all who come to Him by faith. Hebrews 7.25 says, Consequently, He is able to save to the uttermost. Those who draw near to God through him since he always lives he always lives to make intercession for them. I mean Jesus lives even today, praise God. And when Jesus died, Christ died on the cross, he said it is finished. John 19:30. And when he rose from the dead, God the Father said, I am satisfied. Now, Jesus can declare victory over death. Uh, Jesus said in, in Revelation uh, chapter 1, He said, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys to death and Hades. And now, we can look to Him by faith and be confident in His power to save. Acts 16:31 says, "Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved." Romans 4:25, "He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. And we can trust that because Jesus has risen and He's alive." Amen. 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 And third, the angel reminded them of what Jesus had said so many times. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Now, as I read the the resurrection account a bunch of times, you know, in preparing for this, you know, those words kept jumping out at me. When the angel said to the women, He is not here, he is risen, he didn't stop there. Because he added, as he said. Luke's Gospel says, remember how he told you. Mark writes it a bit differently. He writes that the angel said, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter. I love that. He adds, he adds Peter. Because Peter had denied him three times. And he wanted to single out Peter especially to redeem Him. But go tell His disciples and Peter that He is going before you to Galilee. There you will see Him just as He told you. Jesus keeps His promises. As we talked about last week during the journey to Jerusalem, Jesus had to explain to His disciples many times what they were to expect once they were in Jerusalem. And Jesus was determined to accomplish this task. Luke tells us that Jesus said to his disciples, He said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised up. I mean, it doesn't get any clearer than that. Disciples just didn't understand. For example, John writes in chapter 16 of his gospel, He says, at this, you know, what Jesus was was telling them what was going to happen, at this, some of the disciples said to one another, what does He mean by saying, in a little while you will see Me no more, and then after a little while you will see Me, and because I am going to the Father. They kept asking, what does He mean by a little while? We don't understand what He is saying. And John, who's known for adding a, a little commentary, in his Gospel, wrote, at first, the disciples didn't understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about Him and that these things had been done to Him. So John sort of helps us understand the disciples a little bit. Now I can kind of relate to the the disciples. When I was a kid, this, this whole you know, Palm Sunday, Good Friday, Easter thing was, was pretty confusing to me. I mean, on Palm Sunday, you go to church, they give, you, they give you the palm branch, and, you know, as far as I was concerned, that was a tool for me to go home and whack my sister with it. And, you know, how else would you get a palm branch in Massachusetts? Alright? And then, and then Good Friday. I mean, the guy died. Why was it good? You know nobody ex- explained this stuff to me in and, and Easter you have you know the Easter eggs, you have the chocolate bunnies, you go to church, you come home, and you have a ham dinner w- what 's the deal with the ham on Easter I, you know i, I don 't get it nobody I mean nobody explained this stuff to me, so I, I can kind of relate uh, by the way, I, I know why they have ham on Easter it 's because when they used to Slaughter the ham in the fall, it would cure over the winter, and then it was ready in the spring. It was just a convenient meat to have. Okay, there, that problem solved. How many of you knew that? Okay, I didn't know it either. I could be making that up too, but. So, back to our angel in the text. After the angel tells them to look inside the empty tomb, he says, then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. The angel invited them to go look into the tomb and see for themselves that Jesus is gone. See the place where he lay. This is past tense. See the place where he was laying. Later, when when Peter Peter and John arrived there, John records the fact that the linen cloths that had been wrapped around Christ's body were lying there, empty, of course, while the napkin that had been about his face was neatly folded in a place by itself. Now, this sight helped John to believe uh, in, in the resurrection, as these little details were important enough for him to record in his gospel. Now the fact that the the napkin was folded neatly after someone was done with dinner, uh, John knew that that was a sign that the host wasn't going to return. So it was folded neatly. The, The body wasn't going to return back to the tomb. John sees that little detail and that helps him to believe. And then... As verse 8 shows, the women did just as the angels told them. They departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples. And on the way, Jesus met them and said greetings. And they came up and took hold of His feet and worshipped Him. So it's easy to imagine how incredible this must have been uh, for those women. And the fact that they took hold of Jesus' feet Shows that this, this wasn't a vision. It wasn't an hallucination. Uh, Jesus was present in a real and physical way. You can't grab the feet of a hallucination, right? He came, he came, Jesus came to give them a personal word of encouragement and hope. He he came to them personally so that they might know firsthand that He had in fact risen from the dead. And when they meet him, they are so overcome with love and joy that they fall at his feet and worship. And this is just the natural reaction of those who love Jesus, or it should be. I mean, one can't help when coming into the presence of Jesus to worship him. I mean, we worship Jesus through prayer and singing and confession and reading His Word, and loving and serving each other, uh, even those who are different from us, uh, and being obedient to Him, and, and sharing the Gospel with others, and forgiving one another, and even sacrificing for one another. That's how we worship Jesus. That, that's, the, that's the Christian life. And He gives us the power to do those things through the Holy Spirit. So that that worshiping Him in those ways is not burdensome, but it's a joy. Amen? And and we can be reminded here that Jesus is worthy to be worshipped. He is worthy of all glory and all honor and all praise that we can possibly give Him. I mean, after all, He's the object of heaven's worship where, where the creatures and the 24 elders exclaim in Revelation 4, Worthy are You, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for You created all things, and by Your will they existed and were created. And again in in Revelation, and they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are You to take the scroll and to open its seals, for You were slain, and by by Your blood You ransomed people for God. From every tribe, every nation, every language, and people. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And of course, He should be the object of worship on earth as well. Hebrews 13.15 tells us, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess His name. And finally, in verse 10 of our, our Matthew passage, we have this great assurance from the Lord. Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me, just as He said He would. You'll recall that Mark wrote in his Gospel, uh, chapter 14, 28, that Jesus said long before His crucifixion. He said, but after I am raised up, which has a double meaning there. Raised up on the cross and then raised up out of the tomb. But after I am raised up, I will go before you in Galilee. And that's precisely what He did. When the Lord speaks to these women, He speaks to us as well. And it's to comfort our hearts and confirm our mission. He assures us that all is well and that the time to be afraid has passed for good. Death has lost its sting, as the verse says. And when we die, we only die physically. Jesus said to Martha in John's Gospel, He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in Me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in Me will never die. Die. Do you believe this? He asked Martha. And that's the question for you this morning. Do you believe this? Martha answered, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. If you were asked, do you believe this? What would your answer be? And if you don't already believe, Because there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do on your own to make right your relationship with God. Jesus already did it all. He did it all on the cross. He paid it all. Do you believe this? My prayer is that if you don't believe, you would answer to Jesus this morning, Yes, Lord. I believe that You are the Christ, the Son of God. If you said that in your heart this morning, if you said in your heart, Yes, Lord, I believe, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, I would encourage you to tell somebody. Even after church, share the great news of your new faith with someone, and we would love to rejoice with you. Jesus said to the women, Don't be afraid. He is alive and will take care of all that arises in life. Only a living Lord, only a living Lord can give peace and assurance to the hearts of His people. John 14.27 says, Jesus assures us. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Only a living Lord can be present with us as Hebrews 13.5 reminds us that Jesus said Himself, He said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. Only a living Lord can speak words of comfort and peace and hope. And thank God for our living Lord this morning. Amen? Amen? Amen. Praise God.